Hello friends and welcome to Monday's edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast. It is a happy Monday, Town won at Fleetwood 2 at the weekend, so it's a happy Monday for the first time in a couple of weeks. Always happy when I'm joined by Andy, the Hutchmeister, Hutch Hogan, Warren, Mark Keith here, your host. Just the two of us today, Hutchie. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm all right. Just the two of us. Back to lockdown days again. The Hutch and Heath connection. Um, stay tuned, friends. You just showed me, Hutch, you've got a new addition to the shirt collection. You've got... Vi- how do you pronounce it? Venezia. Venezia. Venezia FC. Venice FC, for those of you who don't know. It's a very strong shirt just over Hutchie's right-hand shoulder with a golden lion as the crest, which is extremely impressive. But now you've added that to your collection, Hutchie, what happens with that? What do you do with that? Does it just hang there for a little bit? Do you? It ha- stop- yeah, it just joins the rest, mate. Does nothing. It? Yeah, nothing happens with them. I don't wear any of them. I- do you trade in them? I know. Um, yeah. I remember you telling me when Messi signed for uh, PSG, you were you were getting Messi shirts and tickets and that kind of stuff. You're a bit of a entrepreneur, baller, hustler <laughs> in that respect. Yeah. So I think <laughs> entrepreneurs is that... generous. <laughs> but is that what you do? You kind of sell them on and kind of yeah. trading them. Yeah. 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 But I I think that Venezia one will be will, will will hang around and remain in the connection in the collection. But yeah, buy sell buy sell. Always Super. moving, always fluid, always you've available. Do, you've got to do something to fund your lavish lifestyle, haven't you? Yeah, keep, exactly. Keep the wife in the custom to which she's become accustomed. Um, you're going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting today, old Hutchie, because um, obviously you were at the game, you were at Fleetwood. Stewie, your partner in crime, was there too. An excellent picture, by the way, if you're both looking like Dorman, taken by Mike Turbot, about sure. to present yourself to Fleetwood Press area. Um, yeah, and obviously Roscoe wasn't there. I wasn't there. I had a, the first weekend off I've had in four months. So I've, I've not really connected, friend. So the lifting is going to be very much on your broad and rather muscular shoulders this morning. Um, first point of order, friend, that we've got to address, million pound picks. Because Town won 2-0, like I say, you've been betting forlornly and without um, product uh, on Sam Morsey scoring for several weeks as part of your, your weekly betting bits and as i understand it though and i've only listened to half of, of you and Stu, your pod from last week um but i understand from the Kawai army you negated to bet or indeed mention million pound picks on said pod um so yeah. now morsey scored one has to wonder where we stand on this how, how would you like to address this before well, we get into the game I, i'm going to leave i'm going to leave this in your court or perhaps the listeners court um yeah you, you won't find million pound picks discussed in the other half of that podcast if you indeed finish it, um, because I forgot about it again. Um, however, all I'll say is that I believe I've made it very clear that that Morsi bet will be was was going on every match. Um, so, but now we have to so, kind of retrospectively. I mean, were you betting us the same amount every week? Yeah, fifty fifty grand 50 every grand. time. So what yeah. what would that have returned had you three officially... three two five three two five? It's up to you. Um, look, I mean that obviously... seems it seems reasonable to me. It's like someone who plays a lot of the same lottery numbers every week. You don't have to say you're doing every Saturday, do you? To to do it, um, you had said you're going to keep betting on it until it happens. So that, that seems reasonable to me. Um, I'm going to allow it. Maybe we should ask the, the Curry Army what they think. Um, but I'm in a good mood this Monday morning. Town of one. I've had a few days off. Uh, and you've got a lovely Venice shirt. So all, all things looking bright for me. Should we talk about the game itself, Hutchie? Obviously, we know yeah. your boy Morsey scored. Um, Caden Jackson, continuing his resurgence, got the second and soldered the game away, as they say in America. Um, your thoughts on the game? Because 
from watching your guys chat after the game, um, although Town played well, and I've seen some very nice one-touch football being stroked around the, the pig of a pitch, trademark Stuart Watson, um, it maybe wasn't as impressive if they'd been in recent games would have only emerged with draws. Um, but in this case, they got the goals that they've been struggling to get. So what did you make of it, Hutchie? I think, like you say, you say you haven't seen the game, but that's a pretty fair a pretty, pretty <laughs> fair summary of it, I'd say. Um, it's the result that they should have got in both of the previous two games, really. It's what they should have done against Cheltenham. It's what they should have done against Morecambe, but they were just able to do it this time. They they had they had the better of the ball, the better of the chances. Um, Fleetwood didn't didn't offer very much at all. Um, I was disappointed with what with what I saw from them. Um, and it, it, Ipswich were able to get it done in in the second half. I, I I don't think they were as good as they had been in those in those previous games, but they were by far the better team, hmm. um, and justly came away with with three points. But I don't know. It, it just makes me feel just I feel so frustrated about those two still about the, the Cheltenham and the Morecambe games because they they could be four points better off in this chase for the for the playoffs. Hmm. But but um, they did enough this time. It's um, yeah, a very solid victory. Hmm. What did you make of the team? Actually, there's always a talking point around the team and who plays particularly up top. Um, it was Joe Piggott from Out of the Wilderness this time, um, starting along with with Caden Jackson, who obviously has been resurgent. Um, and the other talking point, I guess, was Selena playing in a deeper midfield role than we've seen him before. Um, so what did you make of the team and how did it work in practice? But I was both surprised and and not with the with the way the forward line was picked because I think I think we have to be prepared to be surprised a bit at the moment. Uh, yeah. if, if if all of we obviously we we talk about the team in, in various different forms in the lead up to the games. Um and none of us came up with Joe Piggott and and Caden Jackson with with Connor Chaplin as the front three. But um that's what Kieran McKenna went with and uh, we've seen him use all of them before. So it's not not a huge surprise. Selena in midfield was a bit of a surprise. Um, we talk about a bit, bit more about him in a minute, but he has played there previously for for Swansea and Dijon, so it's not completely unfamiliar to him. But again, he wasn't wasn't one that we were kind of factoring into our equation. So mm-hmm. surprised, but I'm not shocked to be surprised if that makes it. I'm kind of I'm prepared for it. I'm ready. I'm not. I'm not. It's not going to knock me back with these uh, with these team sheets. You're fairly unflappable anyway, friend. So, uh, you know, I think if you, if you suddenly started one of like, Teddy Yenge up front or Tyree Simpson, you'd have probably <laughs> remained unflappable. Talk to me about the dynamics of it, though. Um, obviously, football's all about finding the right blends and partnerships and stuff. We know Morsey and Evans are a set-in-stone partnership when both are available in, in centre-mid. Without one of them around, town generally drop off um, and clearly Backington and Carroll have been replacing Evans to date. How did that work with Selina and Morsey midfield? Because that must have, Selina is obviously someone who wants to get forward. Did that mean then Morsey was having to hang back a bit more than he would? Yeah, he would, a little. Yeah. A little. He didn't, he, I don't think he, he didn't suddenly become kind of a, an anchor that, that didn't leave his own half or anything like that. He, he mm. still, he still was up and involved in the play. Um, saw plenty of the ball in the first half in, in Sam Morsey on the ball in that first half in particular was outstanding. His his position on the ball and the way he used it was really good. Uh, obviously, he had to take on a little bit more in terms mm. of in terms of like the robust side of the midfield because because we know that Bursant Salina is a player that wants 
wants the ball and that he wants it in advanced areas. Um, so it, it did it did affect Morsi a little bit. Selena, they looked really, really comfortable in midfield in terms of possession. They they knocked the ball between the two of them a lot. They kept it really well, but I think you could see you could see that Selena wasn't able to um attack the box in the in the way that we want him to from that role. But it did mean that Ipswich kept the ball really, really nicely. Mm. What have you made of now 13 games into the McKenna era, we know one of the first things he said was, I want my teams to dominate games, dominate the ball. And they have largely done that possession-wise. What have you What have you made of, of the way they're playing football now compared to maybe the, the days of, of Paul Cook? Uh, is it a marked difference, would you say? I think an expression that Stu used to use a lot um, in regard to Paul Lambert's team, and they had the ball a lot. Paul mm. Lambert's team had a lot of the ball, but it was possession without a purpose uh, uh but but i think this team is possession with a purpose mm. they that they have the ball and want i'm not going to say they paul amerson didn't want to do something with it of course of course they did um but but they have the ball and they are able to do something with it there's that they they know what they're trying to do they're that they're more intense with it it's mm. not as um Passive. I think Paul Lambert's possession, possession, a lot of it was rolling it around the back four, mm. as it was at the time. Um, there's not so much of that. I think the possession comes higher up the pitch in this in this team, either by a, a even by a a defender in that three. And I think the angles actually, the angles on the pitch that the right wing back and the left wing back being a bit more advanced mean that there's those balls for the defenders to play to get forward more, mm. or a defender's steps out and gets it into Morsi or Evans or Selena, whoever's in there. And, and that possession is higher up the pitch, which just makes it that bit more intense than you looked at the possession stats under Paul Lambert and they were high. And it was because the goalkeeper had been rolling it to fullbacks and across the back four and then into midfield back out again into defences. There's none of that. You feel like they've got the ball for a reason and are kind mm. of operating in the opposition's half, which um, if you're going to have the ball and dominate the ball, you want to do it in a good area, don't you? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it seems to me a strange thing to say, but it's like constant motion from what I've seen. There's kind of sort always an out, always a, a ball on. And it tends to be those shorter kind of passes, but the angles and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know McKenna has said that one of the things that he said to the players is we never want you walking which again seems like an odd thing to say about a football a football player who clearly tends to be perpetual motion but is it is it noticeable from that point of view as well um yeah it's all it's all just that bit higher tempo um yeah. it, in in terms of the the team kind of rolls from side rather than kind of passing the ball and slowly moving from side the, the whole team kind of rolls so mm. Burns the fullbacks are a big part of this. So you've got the, the right wing back and the left wing back, and they kind of the whole team kind of rotates. So if if we're if they're kind of trying to to attack down the right side, you see Wes Burns in this really advanced role. And then if you look up, you'd look at the team and you might think actually they're playing a back four because at that mm. point Janoy Danassian moves over to a more traditional right back area and the two centre backs Wolfram and Edmondson come over a bit more and Thompson comes over and it's all rolled that way to uh, to kind of attack down the right. And if they're attacking down the left, not so much this way actually, because Burns still is advanced, but it kind of rolls back again. So mm. the whole axis of the team and, and angles is a is a good 
a good way to look at it. I think there, there's passes are on, um, yeah, and it's just it's just getting that final connection to make it work in the final third that we haven't it isn't completely there, but it but it it just does it does feel like it's all with a purpose and all planned and all thought out a bit a bit bit more, and it's good it's good to watch. They're ever so comfortable. Yeah, um, if you're not watching on video, that was a beautiful visual aspect of Hutchie kind of rolling to indicate the way the team moves, which is excellent. That was talking tactics with Mark Heath and Andy Warren. <laughs> um, in, in terms of uh, the final connection, Hutchie, obviously that that's the strikers that's been lacking. Um, Piggott was your man this game. How, how do you think he did? Because McKenna said after the game that it was probably the best performance he'd had, um, in his opinion. Um, would you agree with that? What did you make of, of Joe? Um, I don't know if I'd go as far as saying it's the best I've seen Joe Pickett play, but it, it, maybe it is in the, the, the games that McKenna's been in charge of. Um, I thought he did well. Like I've, I've had a bit of um, bit of feedback on the, the player ratings because I had him a bit lower than some of the others in the team. But if, if mm. the words that I'd written were all quite complimentary. Is is that the link play was good. He had, uh, particularly in the first half, he was obviously only on for part of the second, but dropping deep and moving the ball wide. He had some good moments down the right-hand side of the box where he got away. But I don't know. I, I think he, he, he looked frustrated when he came off and that's all because he had he had one really big chance and, mm. um, and he's hit the face of the post. It looks, when it left his foot from the angle that we were watching at, which, which by the way, the entire game was spent like that because the sun was direct in our eyes for the whole game. So got a very strong arm now. That's <laughs> had it up like that for the whole game. Um, when it left his foot, it looked like it was in because mm. he'd found the right area of the goal. I think the goalkeeper giving him a nice a nice little area to, to look for. Um, and look for all the world like he was going to score. I, I, when it kind of bounced away off the post, um, I was quite shocked. Um and I think for that reason, he'll probably be frustrated coming off the pitch because what he really needs is a is a goal. Um, I appreciate all the all the good kind of build up work that he does, and I think that was possibly more possible, possibly more sort of possible for him to do that because Selena was that bit deeper. I don't know mm. if that may potentially kind of opened up some some areas for him to drop into and have a bit more room room to work potentially, which is obviously a a good thing if you're able to to get Joe Piggott doing doing that but um he just he just needs a goal we'll get on to Lincoln in a minute but I, I, if he doesn't start again after kind of that kind of feedback from both from Kieran McKenna and from Sam Morsi actually who said the same hmm. the same thing about Joe Piggott um, that would leave me scratching my head a little bit but th- th- that man just needs needs to score a goal Talk to me again about dynamics then. For those of people who have not seen the game, obviously there'll be a lot of people listening to the pod who haven't seen the game, seen the highlights maybe. Um, how does that work then with Piggott and Jackson and Chaplin? Is Piggott on his own up top? Yeah, yeah. You can either... This is We see slightly different variations of this. I think you, in general we call Kieran McKenna's system a 3-4-3, don't we? I think you yeah. could... You could, if you really wanted to, at times call it a... Th- Three, four, two, one, which is how it looks when Chaplin and Selena play. Mm. This time, with with the kind of formation that was there, the personnel, sorry, that was there this time, it's probably more of a flat fourth, three, four, three. So mm. Piggott in the middle, Jackson left, um, Chaplin right, but Chaplin will 
Chaplin's got a, a touch of the Alan judges about him in that and that he wanders a little bit and I'm, that's that's absolutely fine because um I don't think you necessarily need Chaplin to supply the width particularly from the right side because you've got Burns who is very naturally looking to do that anyway so maybe Chaplin's that little bit more of a wanderer which at times you could see him in as a number 10 almost behind Jackson and Pickett but but for me, it looks more sort of a flat front three. So you've got Jackson, who was squared up with Toto and Ciala for most of the afternoon, kind of attacking him, trying to attack him one-on-one. Mm. And then you've got Piggott as the kind of the pivot man in the middle who was was dropping deep. And if he drops deep, then you can get Chaplin and Jackson, maybe try and get beyond him, get a bit tighter. But something Piggott did quite well was drop deep, get the ball and try and turn out of trouble and get the ball wide to Burns on the right. So. Um, there's a definite pattern to what they're trying to do in those parts of the game. Joe Piggott did pretty pretty well, um, mm. but I don't know. For for me, I I really appreciate all that work that he does. It's good, and he is a good touch player. But I just want I just want that bit more intensity in the box from my central striker. Um, mm. And you know, maybe maybe not everybody feels the same about what they want from from a team when they're watching it, but. Um, for me, I just want him to score a goal and see what that does for him because because it's been a while. A long time. October, mm. I believe, off the top of my head, was the last time he scored. Um, goalless now, I think, in 19 it would be. Um, what about the rest of the players on the pitch, Hutchie? I know Morsey was, was your man of the match. Clearly, yep. the back four, we, we barely need to mention these days because they're as solid as a rock, 19 yep. sheets in, in 13 games. But you did mention, um, when we spoke last week, uh, Thompson, worried about him. I think it was Stu actually said that, that Thompson is starting to stray into that Stuart Watson amber zone, um, worried about his his kind of uh, being able to play numerous games on the bounce. How did, how did he look? Was he was he okay at Fleetwood? He's fine. Yeah, he 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 was fine. Um, not nothing more, nothing less. He was part of it defensively. I think he, he's pretty solid. He, he's part mm-hmm. of that back line that's obviously doing really well at the moment. He, I think it's an un, in many ways it's an unfair comparison because obviously on the one on the one side we've got we're talking about a, a right winger playing as a right wing back mm. and on the other in Wes Burns and then on the other side we've got a left back who I, I think Dominic Thompson's a left back I'm pretty happy to say that he's a he's a left back but he's being asked to play kind of a left wing back so it, the balance isn't quite there um in what they're able to do Wes Wes Burns is I guess is probably highlights that he's a bit of a special case in, in terms of what he's actually able to do on that right side. And the compa- the comparison's always going to be between the two. And I don't think Thompson comes out of that hugely favourably. Mm. But but in terms of what he actually does, I, I, he, he, you can question his involvement in the goal at Morecambe a week ago. But in terms of his actual play, I think he's absolutely fine. He's decent on the ball. He um, he gets the ball inside to Morsi quite a lot. Um, He's always available for Edmondson, which I think is quite important because Edmondson's playing on his wrong foot over there. Um, so he's able to to be available to him. And I, I and, and he gets forward enough without... without He's not going to get the ball. You're not getting Dominic Thompson the ball and you're not expecting him to knock the ball past a man and, and beat him necessarily, which is what obviously we look to Burns hmm. to do. Um so I think he's absolutely fine. It's just not quite got the same kind of oomph and, and thrust that, 
you're getting down the right side, which I think is why he comes out of some comparisons unfavorably at times. But all in all, I, th- I think he's done. I think he's done okay. He's fine. Um, he's fine. We, we, sh- we should also mention before we move on, of course, Caden Jackson. The resurgence continues from the frozen, frigid wastelands of almost being on, on his way out the door at town. Very much um, an afterthought to now scoring the goal that wrapped up the game. Hutchie, um, what did you make of Caden on Saturday's showing? Um, great finish, really. Yeah, good finish it really was. Yeah, yeah, really, like picked his spot and just really calmly slot slotted that in from from Selena's uh, from Selena's pass. Probably worth talking about the, the the change that that McKenna made to enable these goals to happen at, at some mm. point. But um, um, yeah, I thought Jack, I thought Jackson did okay. He he was having a, I think he was quite enjoying his his battle with Toto. They had a few moments where they just grinned at each other and. Um, there was a time where it looked to me like Jackson was telling Toto what he was going to do to him, uh, <laughs> like kind of pointing to areas on the pitch. And that's what it looked like to me from from like several yards away, obviously. But it looked like he was kind of pointing out, actually, that area in behind you, Toto, you need to um, you need to watch out, mate, because you know how quick I am. Um, but he did OK. I, it wasn't it, this wasn't the Burton game in any stretch of the imagination for Caden Jackson, but um and they they weren't able to kind of spring him away on on too many occasions. But um he he did okay and the goal is obviously a really good one that which which kind of puts a an exclamation mark on the end of his afternoon. Yeah, great ball from Cena, great finish from from Jackson. Should we talk about that change then? Because obviously we talked about what the team was from the start, but it, it yeah. really was that kind of change that then saw the goals come. So Pickett came off, Backinson came on. Um, and on you go, Hutchie. Tell us. Yeah. Well, on the face on the face of that, um, sort of watching from afar, if you if you see a a, a defensive central midfielder come on for for the number nine mm. uh, at nil nil, um, you could argue that's fairly negative. Um, but but it wasn't because Backinson coming on allowed Morsi to move up, and Morsi moving up. Allowed Selena to move up, and um, and that put those two players in sort of more comfortable roles for for them. That put Morsi back in the the marauding Morsi that we have come to enjoy over the last couple of months, um, and it put Bursant Selena in the the more advanced kind of ten left side ten ish mm. ten and a half. I'd, I'd call Selena in, in that because he. he it, normally, I think he, he was supposed to be playing kind of wide, and um, but he he obviously drops into pockets and um, and tries to thread. And both of those two were involved in the first goal. Selena working that wide, and then Morsi meeting Burns cross to to score the exact kind of goal that someone like Sam Morsi should be scoring. Sort of mm. holding your run, finding space in the box, being picked out, and sweeping it sweeping it home. He Morsi was brilliant in this game, um, and the, the goal obviously punctuated that and then and then obviously you've as you've said Selena's got into a really nice little position there to thread thread Jackson in for um for the second so that change that change kind of unlocked two players that were on the that were on the pitch so um yeah a very a very positive one when when on the face of it the actual personnel switch is fairly negative that's something else we're not really used to isn't it at town substitutions actually changing things and and making Mm-hmm. things better um you know historically generally they've either been left too late or they've not really worked as they should so another tick there in, in McKenna's rapidly filling up 
um, check sheet of things that he's changing at town. We should also mention, actually, before we move on from this game, of course, the narrative, hashtag narrative there was. You already mentioned Toto in Ciala, Ellis Harrison as well. What what was that like? Did, was there, Were there many battles with, with Toto? I was listening to you on, on the pod last week, you know, the concept of playing Norwood to wind Toto up. I was very much on board for mm. Um, obviously didn't happen, but was there any coming together? Was there any, you, you said there, there was obviously chats between Caden and Toto. Anything else to, to mention on those two? So that's about the long and short of it, really. That uh, Apart from sort of within probably 25 seconds of the game kicking off, Toto had, had thrown Dominic Thompson <laughs> basically into the front row of the Ipswich fans. Um, but re- Toto was fine. He, he got through the game well enough and, and Ellis Harrison barely had a kick. They the the Ipswich defence barely barely gave him anything at all. So in terms of that narrative, um there really wasn't any. Disappointing. We're gonna have to come up with a name for the town defence. I'm saying blue wall as it stands. That's the working title. You know, American football there's famous Defenses, yeah. as they say over there, the purple people eaters of the Minnesota Vikings and the orange crush of the Denver <laughs> Broncos. Um, we need we need a name for town because they're certainly working towards all these shutouts they're getting, Hutchie. <laughs> Defense wins championships. <laughs> so uh, let's think of a name. I'm, I'm, I'm working title Blue Wall. Just, just before we move on, Hutchie, by way of drawing a line under, under Fleetwood, um, how good of a win was this? Because on paper, Fleetwood obviously struggling towards the foot of the table, but they had been in decent form. Um, and, they, you know, they've beaten Rotherham. They've, they've scored three goals, I think, Plymouth-Portsmouth as well. They've put three past both of those sides. Um, and it's never an easy place to go, especially on a pitch like that. So in terms of ranking it as a win, this was a, this was a decent win, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a decent win. It's, I, 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 not, not one to go massively overboard about because I think if they're going to get to where they want to go, um, there's going to be some much bigger wins than this required. But hmm. just... They overcame everything that they needed to. The pitch was was horrible. It was really bad. Um, after the game, is it was it was a terrible, terrible pitch with just mud patches, exposed mud patches everywhere. And as we were finishing off our work after the game, just sat in the stand, um, you know those kind of UV light things that they roll out, the big okay. things they roll out. They they had two of them, and they'd kind of picked these two spots sort of on the pitch to kind of work on. And, and you, you kind of thought it's going to need a bit more than that. Lads. <laughs> this, this isn't going to, um, this isn't going to fix anything overnight. So they overcame that. And that, I think that makes it a really good win. And, and they, just the fact that they gave Fleetwood a, a danger, clearly a dangerous team and out of form, but kind of in terms of wins, but a team that has caused other teams trouble. Um, dips, which weren't, weren't in trouble. In this game, and 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 that's that's nice that so they 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 just did, went about it their own way, mm. got the job done, um, answered a couple of questions. In that they've they they there was a point in this game where I really thought it was going to go the same way as as the previous two, and I guess that's where the pleasure comes from from in it, in that they were able to kind of overcome something they weren't able to in the previous ten days. So, um, yeah. A good win. A good win. There we go. 2-0 at Fleetwood. Town do the business. What we, what we hoped for, what we expected. Um, but there we go. We move on. Before we do move on, Hutchie, any any tales from the road? Clearly Fleetwood, a long road trip with your partner in crime, Stuart Watson. When you weren't here last week, he took great delight in telling us of his win at Crazy Golf. Former, you know, obviously against yourself, a world-ranked 
crazy golfer. He, he was very, very proud of himself. Uh, he anything, well, he should be. Anything to report? Anything you got up to this time on your on your jolly boys trip to Fleetwood? Um, that's the third. That is the third time that Stu and I have been to Fleetwood together, and I, I still haven't seen the sea. <laughs> I, I, I haven't. I haven't seen any evidence of it being on the coast. That's that's disappointing. Um, I'm going to be really boring and say no. It, it, it was a, it was strictly business. Um, drove up on Saturday morning. Just drove to the northwest. Went to work. Uh, Stu had a um, Stu had a pasty. Nice. I bought a sandwich. It's good times. <laughs> uh, went to work. Saw Michael Carrick. Of course, yeah. Hands. Uh, then we stayed the night in Warrington. Um, got woken up at two a.m. by some very very enthusiastic people knocking on people's doors. Lovely. In the Holiday Inn. Got fifteen minutes down the road and realised I'd left my glasses in the hotel room. Went back to Warrington again. <laughs> Went home. You, what do you reckon? Sound good? Do you feel like you've missed well, out? What I'd, what I'd say is, we always get people say, "God, you're so lucky to cover football for a living." Uh, and when you tell stories like that, you realise just how how non- lucky we are. Yeah, yeah, non-glamorous. What a general kind of slog it is. Clearly, being at games is is a privilege and all that kind of stuff. But the the, st- the stuff that people don't see, um, all the travel and and as you say, <laughs> staying in these places is is is, is far from glamorous, isn't it? Um, but thank you, Hutchie, an excellent little pricey. <laughs> well, you what? Sorry, mate. What were you well, say? We, talk, we bumped into lots of members of the KOA army. Ah, that, that that was a highlight. As yeah. you, as you previously, my favourite turbo sailor. Um, had a, a nice chat about him, who has also been backing Sam Morsey to score goals with actual money rather than uh, pretend millions. So yeah. Mike, Mike's a happy man. We saw Harvey, Harvey Davis, John Watson, Darren. We saw, uh, yeah, bumped into Excellent. lots of lots of people. That was very nice. While you were on your way back from Fleetwood Hutchie, do you know what I was doing? As I say, it's my first Sunday off in four months. Um, so I took myself off. Well, I say I took myself, took myself and the wife off to to watch the Batman. Yeah, um, good. Which yeah, I, I know people like it when we talk about TV and things that that people are watching. So, pray silence, please. I'll give you a short the Batman review from Heath before we get onto Lincoln. Um, I was kind of trepidatious going into it, actually. I must say because Robert Pattinson, Batman, not an obvious choice. I guess I just see him as the kind of floppy haired vampire one from the Twilight mm-hmm. Saga. Um, and also obviously it's, it's not a Nolan Batman, which we've got used to. Uh, but I must say it was bloody brilliant. I really, yeah. really, really liked it. I don't know if it's because I went in with slightly lower expectations. Um, but it was great. Uh, what, start with the drawbacks. It's way too long, Hutchie. How it, long? It's almost three hours long. Oh, that is long. And I reckon you could comfortably cut out 30 to 45 minutes of it. Um, and with it being that long, you need to, you need to plan how are you going to approach that? As you were just you were just hydrating up there, you don't want to do too much of that before you go in. Um, clearly, you don't want to you don't want to miss too much of it. So uh, it's too long, but generally it is very 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 good. Um, Pattinson is strong, I would say, as Batman. It, it's it's kind of um, early in Batman's journey, so he's like two years into him okay. the Dark Knight. So he's a bit unsure of himself and not really the polished kind of Christian Bale esque Batman that we're used to. Um, so there's quite a lot of him 
struggling with with the concept of of what he's doing and all that kind of stuff. There's not a lot of him being Bruce Wayne, I must say. It's mostly him being the Cape Crusader. Um, but the, the way it's shot, mate, unbelievable. That the, you know, there's always like an intro bit where you see Batman for the first time, yeah, before he hands someone their rear end in combat. Yeah, um, th- that is probably the coolest they've ever done it. I think um, the way they set that up. Some beautiful action shots. They end up the kind of climatic without giving any spoilers. It ends up at Gotham Square Garden, Hutchie. Clearly, okay, Madison Square Garden, which they end yeah. up flooding in this kind of final battle scene, which which is incredible. Um, yeah, I would I would highly okay. recommend it. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm as, nothing will ever surpass the Dark Knight. I don't think as a Batman mm. film, and maybe as a film, full stop. Certainly top five for me. Yeah, um, but I would say that is. As good a Batman film as I've seen, other than The Dark Knight. What villains are we? What villains are we talking oh, there's, about there's here? There's bloody loads, mate. There's the Rid- the Riddler is the main one, who is a again s- scarily psychopathic um, guy. Not Jim Carrey. Definitely not Jim Carrey. <laughs> Does some very nasty things to to some very unfortunate people, particularly one um, death involving a, a, a cage and some rats around a, around someone's face. Um, so he's very good. There's also the, the the penguin who is Colin Farrell, looking okay. unlike, unlike Colin Farrell you ever seen him before. He, you know, clearly um, a lot of prosthetics and and weight has been put on him. Uh, and also there's the teaser at the end, which I won't give away, of, of another villain who we may have seen before, and who, who you may or may not think should, should ever really be featured in Batman again after uh, after one particular iconic right. turn. So th- that I kind think of I that know away. who you're talking about. Mark. <laughs> I think. I'm not going yeah. to say it, but I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just really good. Um, if if a bit too long, Zoe Kravitz is in it as as Catwoman, um, and there is one particularly amazing car chase scene with a kind of earlier version of the Batmobile, um, which again ends with with what I can see being an iconic um, shot from the Batman kind of nice. series of films so i'd highly recommend it as i say don't don't hydrate too much in the pre-game certainly don't get on the beer pre-game or you know um plan plan your toilet breaks unless you've got a, a considerably large bladder like i uh, think tea. i'd be all right did you did yeah. you need a break watson my word Stuart watson <laughs> he'd probably he'd probably miss a good half hour of this <laughs> the amount of toilet breaks that man needs is unbelievable this tiny bladder yeah maybe not one for him um i would say though i think it's one of these films that needs to be seen at the cinema if you know what i mean yeah. it, it kind of because of the way it's shot it's very dark it's pretty much always raining um and the soundtrack's really important as well it kind of kind of become enveloped in the world kind of washes over you as you're sitting there um and i don't think you'd probably get the same effect seeing that on tv at home not how big your telly is so highly recommend going to see it at the cinema um, nice i was very impressed with it let me know what you think Koei army a, a lot of people come at me saying uh, without having seen it patterson's dreadful choice for batman again because of the the twilight thing but um i was very impressed i thought he did really well and i'm looking forward to the next few in 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 this new era of the batman films um right hutchie that's a uh, film 2002 2022 <laughs> excuse me with mark heath doing my best like Barry Norman. Um, then what comes next in terms of town, obviously, Hutchie, is is Lincoln tomorrow night in the, one of the original pack-out Portman Road games. Tuesday night, maybe not quite the same vibe as it would have been. There's still going to be a big crowd there. We're talking 25,000-plus, 20, I think, I last saw. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you make of this one on the face of it? Another home game against a team struggling towards the bottom of the table. Another must-win or should-win yep. game. Um, but they had a great result of the weekend, didn't they? Out of the blue and helping town out, beating Sheffield Wednesday 3-1. 
So how are you feeling heading into this one, Hutchie? Yeah. Um, got to win it. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's one that you look at on the list and you feel like they, they've got to win. They've got to win their home games if, they, if they're going to get to where they, where they want to go. Um, always fairly decent games between Ipswich and, and Lincoln. There's always something to talk about from them. And, and yes, there'll be a big crowd um, for this one. Um, it's a shame this is being played on a Tuesday night rather than on New... I think it was New Year's Day it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, there's a few different faces in there for Lincoln than what we've seen previously. They've got John Marquis up front, who was formerly of Portsmouth, who um, they've signed. Maguire we've seen before from Sunderland. Um, they've got some players that are good. I like TJ Ayoma, who can either is either a kind of right-sided centre-half or a right-back. I quite like him. Um, so it's not going to be it's not going to be an easy game. But we we kind of seen in the fairly recent past uh, Lincoln are a a better side than Doncaster but I think Doncaster had beaten I want to say they'd beaten Sunderland going into town's game at Doncaster and it's kind of a bit kind of took it took something out of them I wonder whether Lincoln is beating Sheffield Wednesday who are one of the informed teams in the league has maybe taken a little bit little bit out of them but um yeah it's a home game Ipswich will have plenty of the ball. Lincoln want the ball a bit more than some of the teams they've played recently, but Ipswich will have so much of the ball and um, just a, a case of taking chances again. I think we've seen we've seen the Ipswich create chances. We don't really see them kind of frustrated in terms of mm. creating anything. So um, they'll have loads of the ball. If they can make it that possession count, then they'll win the game. Um, and I think they really need to. Mm. Lincoln, obviously, we mentioned that great result of the weekend, which helped town out. But they had been on a, on a fairly poor run of yeah. form before that. They, they lost at home to Gillingham. They lost at Bolton. No shame there, I guess. Um, they've been beaten at home by Doncaster, which is a worrying result. Um, they hadn't actually won before the weekend since the very start of February, where they won 2-1 at home to Morecambe. So, not been on, on the greatest run. Clearly, will be lifted by that result of the weekend. Clearly, actually, we have to mention in terms of narr- hashtag narrative, town... Uh, potentially coming face to face with one of the the former crown jewels, certain Edward Bishop is very much in on the Lincoln um, roster now. He didn't play at the weekend, but I think he's been he's been playing fairly regularly for Lincoln this season. Um, any thoughts about Town potentially facing Teddy? Uh, it'd be interesting to see him back at Portman Road. <clears throat> um, he got a little, a few little. Uh, he didn't get the greatest reception when uh, when Town played at at Lincoln. Mm. Um, back at Portman Road will be special for him. Obviously, he grew up there um, and um, played, I was going to say, played so many games there. He didn't play anywhere near as many games as he'd have wanted to and and, and we'd have wanted him to. But um, I'll, I'll enjoy seeing him play again. But I hope that Ipswich are able to just nullify him like they did at, at Cinsel Bank. He, did, he was barely in the game. He started there. Barely, barely had a kick. Barely noticed him, and the noticed him, and the game kind of flew by without much incident for him. Much like it did with Ellis Harrison at the weekend. So we know what he can do if if he kind of if he plays and if he's able to get on the ball and 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 run with it and drive towards the box. Um, so there's, there's a threat to be wary of, but um, they managed to just completely block him out of the previous game, and, and we've seen him have those games for Ipswich previously, haven't we? we? We've seen we've seen plenty of games where Teddy's 
being quiet and on the fringes of things. So mm. um, I wouldn't be completely shocked if the same happened again, to be honest. We, we always have to have this chat before a game, Hutchie, about the team. It's becoming kind of redundant because clearly things happen. <laughs> we just don't expect these yeah. things. You would never have said that tip Pickett to start at the weekend. Um, but what, what, if anything, would you do with the side? You see, you said already, Pigger. If he if he doesn't start again, you wonder what he's got to do to to get another start. Um, give us your thoughts, though. Clearly, yeah. this is probably not what's going to happen. But what would you do? I've got quite a lot of thoughts on it, and I don't I don't know what I don't know what these thoughts ultimately add up to because the way that Town got their win at the weekend was by making sure that Sam Morsi could play in a more advanced role and making sure that Bursant Salina could play in more of an advanced mm-hmm. role. And that meant that Joe Pickett wasn't on the pitch. Um, I think we could probably, probably all ag- agree that we want to see those players play in those advanced roles, but it, maybe, maybe in a home, maybe in a home game, just having, having Selena on the pitch in that midfield role, mm. it might just naturally be able to get forward a bit, a bit more. I... <laughs> you said, I don't know. I'm, I'm, you, I've lost. I'm, my brain's scrambled egg. In the, in the, on the pod last week, you said that you, you would, you would play Selena and Chaplin pretty much every game. So if, if Selena's on the pitch, but maybe not in that kind of more advanced role, are you still happy with that? If, if he, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's the he's the out of those two. I think I, I think I said he's the, he's the one. I I think it's time that he that he is playing games and on the on the pitch. I'm happy with that. Mm. Um, wouldn't unchanged. It's not something Kieran McKenna does. It really isn't something Kieran McKenna does. But I'm beginning to kind of lose thought on on what what he is going to do. Um, the thing the thing that is encouraging is that whatever he Whatever he does, and um, we're not talking, we're not, we're not talking about this, this chop, chopping and changing as kind of unnecessary chopping and changing because it, because mm. it isn't, because it isn't halting Town's rhythm. It's not having any impact on how solid they look at the back. Whatever personnel they go with in the final third of the pitch, they're solid at the back. Whatever, whatever personnel he goes with in that final third they have plenty of the ball and are able to control the midfield and and also um are able to get the ball wide to varying varying levels of effect so i i don't i would really struggle with the idea of the, the kind of joe piggott being praised so much for his performance at the weekend and and then not getting a, a second start to prove mm. it so completely nominally and with no insight at this point whatsoever i'm just going to say unchanged personnel and just see where that see where that takes us fair enough how, how do you think you're feeling if you're Macaulay Ball or James Norwood at the moment poor um just frustrated and, and i think the, the same probably goes for joe piggott I, mm. like uh, i think caden jackson is probably the only one of those players who's in kind of a bit of a positive really real positive kind of frame of mind about everything at the moment because clearly whether he's playing or not he's more even when he's not playing he's more involved than he was and probably mm. thought he would be at this point had Kieran McKenna not come in and and switched things up for him um I don't know it, it depends as as 
it'll be interesting to know how they are feeling because I think that will tell you a lot about them as people. I, I, mm. James Norwood, just I know he just looks like the kind of person he, he wants to play and he wants to score. Macaulay Bond um, must be feeling the same because things were going so well for him and now he doesn't know whether he's going to be starting games. Um, so it's fascinating. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do with the team in that final third of the pitch. I'm going to say unchanged, but um, nothing would shock me. There's, we haven't even talked about Sonny Aluko. No, as being again, a factor in that. Yeah, he's kind of out of the out of the yeah. man out as well, isn't he? At the moment, yeah. At times he is, but then, but then the, the, the thing <clears> that <throat> the thing that interests me is that players can go from not making the bench to the starting lineup, yeah. kind of in one in one move. Um, yeah. Which it kind of traditionally in football, I guess, is the traditional path is not in the squad, play your way onto the bench, good substitute appearance, start. That's kind yeah. of the, the move, but um, that's not the case. So I'll, I'll be, I'll be when six forty five ticks around on on Tuesday night, I'll be, uh, I'll be fascinated to see what uh, what we're presented with. Do you think there's just uh, going off on a bit of a tangent, striker wise? Actually, do you think there's an argument that that come the summer or come the start of next season? None of the strikers that are currently at the club will be here. Yep. Which is mental, isn't it? When you when yep. you consider how well Macaulay Bond started the season, how much expectation there was on Joe Piggott when he signed, and obviously Norwood has has a has a good scoring record for town. Um yeah. yeah but, but I could also sit here and Mark and argue for each and every one of them. Yeah. Why they should be here as well. That's uh, I, I could argue quite reasonably and quite passionately passionately for all four of them as to why they why they should also stay um but what i what i'm absolutely certain of is that that won't be mm -hmm. town's core striking four. we won't some will go and uh and there will be there will be new pieces in there i'm absolutely absolutely certain of it um but who they are i don't know there's uh all, all four of them have got reasons why they could stay and all four of them have got Got reasons why they might be might be potentially elsewhere. That sounds like a podcast in its own right, Hutchie. The, the big striker debate. Well, should we book that in? Should we book that in for like playoffs dependent? We'll mm. book that in for like May the eighth. We'll do that one. Sounds all right for me. Yeah, whack right. it on whack it on your your whiteboard. You're a uh, chuck it in your think walk. Um, have you got a uh, a million pound pick, Hutchie, for tomorrow night? Got loads, mate. Go for it. Have I right? I'm giving so, you the money. I'm giving you the money. Okay. I'm, saying, I'm saying that's fair. I don't. Uh, I've got. I don't think we need to go to Koei Army on this because I think the Koei Army are a, a great bunch of uh, of people, um, and they've heard you. Regular listeners would have heard you say frequently you're betting on Morsi every week from now on. Um, so I think the fact you just negated to mention it, we can let you off because clearly okay. you, you would have put that bet on. Okay. Well, in that case, um, the pot stands at one thousand one million. One and a quarter million, essentially, with, with a few with a few quid, he uh, hanging about as well in loose change, which I might just give to give to charity. Um, nice. So I'm going to spend a quarter of a million pounds, all in all, on this on this um, on this game, uh, on three separate bets. The first of which is Sam Morsi to score at five to one. <laughs> He's going, still going. With it. I'm still going. Um, wins three hundred grand. So there's that. The uh, second one is for Joe Piggott to score and Town to win by two goals or more. A hundred grand on that wins five hundred and twenty-five. Wow! 
And then the final one hundred thousand pounds is on a six, a five, a five-fold accumulator of Portsmouth, Ipswich, MK Don, Sunderland, and Bolton, all to win. A hundred grand on that returns one point one five million pounds. So all in all, we could be if all of that if all of that happens, yeah. in the unlikely event that all of that happens, we're looking at the best part of a two million pound win. And what is left in the pot is now exactly one million pounds left after those bets. If none of them come in, you've still got the cool milli yeah. to fall back on. That's quite a complicated series of bets. But it was Morsi to score, Pickett yep. to score in town to win by two goals. And then or more. Uh, or more. And then basically a bunch of, of teams to win, including Ipswich. Yeah, basically all the fa- it's basically all the all the favourites. Right. Uh in the Tuesday night games, apart from Plymouth to win. There we go. Then we'll see potential for massive returns. Then, um, as I say, I'm sure the Carey army will let you off the, the Morsey thing. Um, Lincoln tomorrow night, then Hutchie, uh, and then a big run of games after that, the, the kind of three that we've been teasing and looking towards, yep. um, against the real kind of playoff rivals. Um, your podcast last week with, with Stewie, a sensible and measured approach to the run in, which you both, Garen Dam teed that town would make the playoffs. That's fair to say, isn't it? I'm ahead. They're ahead of schedule on my on you my. Had a draw, uh, didn't you? I had a draw at Fleetwood, yeah. so they're they're actually they're two points ahead of schedule on my uh, on my little list I've got up on my wall here. But if we if we can get a, a result tomorrow night, beat Lincoln, and then go into that that run of games, it's on, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's on. Right it, it, yeah. It's it's on. I think. Um, I still think it's going to be incredibly difficult for them to do it. Uh, I, I really do, and I, I, I've we've thought that for quite I thought that for quite some time. But it's on. They've made it. There is something on. <laughs> so, uh, but they that need to beat Lincoln. It's, it's, it's it, these games are so important. They have to beat. They have to beat Lincoln, and they mm. could. I was about to say that if if they. Um, if they do beat Lincoln, and that would be six points from the first two games, when I I only had them down for four, um, I then got them down for draws against Portsmouth and Oxford. But I, they could really do with not losing those games, particularly Portsmouth. Mm. Um, they need to not, at the very least, not lose um, because there's some. Obviously, that has implications in itself. If you give Portsmouth three points um, on you in a game like that, you're, you're just causing yourselves trouble. So need to, they need to at very least avoid defeat to any of those teams really to, to give themselves a chance, but there's it's on, we've reached the final third of the season and there's, um, there's something in play here. It's all to play for. We're about to find out when the rubber meets the road, as they say, <laughs> um, with these big games. Hutchie, give us a prediction for tomorrow night. We said town are going to win. They need to win. They should win. What are you saying? Uh, 2 0 to Ipswich, and hopefully Joe Piggott and Sam Morsey score <laughs> goals. Two goals yeah. That would be good. that would be good. I'm going to go two two nil to Ipswich. Ipswich Town. You going seven or six? Uh, probably four. I reckon four nil. Um, Negative. You've got, you've got to recalibrate, though, haven't you? I, I know a striker scored at the weekend, but um, can't be silly about these things. Four nil will do. <laughs> four nil will do fine. Hutchie, um, that brings us to the end of this week's podcast, unless you've got anything else to, to discuss. Um, I wanted to ask you, because I wasn't around, and it would have been the perfect opportunity to ask you, Milan. I know you mentioned going to the San Siro, 
which is great. And I can't believe you got Mrs. Mrs. Hutchie to go with you as well. Um, the rest of the trip, mate, Italy's beautiful. Italy's probably my favorite country on earth. Mm. Um, I've not been to Milan. Um, other than the football, how good was it? It's a lovely city. It's very quite quiet, a bit, um, yeah. not, not like deathly quiet, but like it's a calm, mm. a calm city. It's, yeah, it's really nice. The cathedral, the cathedral in the, in particular is something I've always wanted to, to see. Duomo is the big, big cathedral in the main square. It's absolutely massive. Mm. Um, can seat 40,000 people in, in a cathedral. cathedral. In, in, yeah, apparently it's like the second biggest cathedral in uh, behind the I think they reckon they can't they can't kind of prove it because these places don't have like official capacities. But they reckon it's the second biggest in the world behind St Peter's in the Vatican in terms of what you can get in there. So you can get 40,000 people you could get in there and it's amazing like we went up on the roof that was quite fun. You can just literally wow. go and walk walk up on the roof and um, get some nice views over the, the city. Some of the architecture is beautiful. Um, saw a very famous painting. Yeah. Um, yep. The Last Supper. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Was that because sometimes when when you see these these famous paintings you've seen only online or on TV, they're either massively impressive or sometimes a little bit underwhelming. What what was that one like? Well, this. It's not in a frame. It's on a wall. I didn't. I didn't realize it's on is a it, wall. Is it huge? Because it's a big, it's massive. Old... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't really. I didn't really until I'd kind of obviously looked into going to see it. It was. Mm. I, I assumed it was just a kind of framed painting, but it's um yeah it's on the wall of a of a building next to a church. Um, but it's massive. Yeah, it's, it's quite good. Um, the spread looks a bit dull, if I'm honest, in terms of what was actually on. <laughs> actually on offer at this supper um no pizza joke no no but um but yeah that was that was good it's in like this climate controlled room now to kind of mm. keep da vinci's uh da vinci's work nice and proper so that was are you given a set amount of time with the with the wonder 15 minutes of contemplation nice. uh, is what you're allotted for your 21 euros um are you allowed to take pictures yeah oh, i'll send nice. you one in a minute um yeah. but yeah it's uh yeah, it's a good, it's a good picture. I've seen, I've seen some pictures, boy. I've seen, seen a lot of Van, <laughs> as I'm sure you have. You're, you've, you're a man of Amsterdam. You've, you'd have been to Van Gogh, surely. Yeah, I, the best one I've ever seen in person, I think, is um, the Night's Watch um, at the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam. Yeah, uh, yeah, which is incredible, mental. A, it's massive. B, it's one of those pictures you can sit in front of for about an hour and see different things constantly because there's so much detail in it. Um, yeah, as I say, they're either incredibly impressive generally, or a couple of times I've been, I've seen kind of famous paintings by famous mm. artists, and I've been a little bit, yeah. Um, so I'm pleased to hear that Last Supper is, is very much yeah, it's good. The impressive it was good side of things. Fair. Italian ch- Italian churches as well, man. Yeah, I'm not religious in any way, but they are such impressive buildings. St mm. Peter's in the Vatican, like you say, there. Yeah, crazily large. Um, Just the detail, like. Yeah. Um, inside, obviously, they're they're painted beautifully as well. But like on on this one, Duomo in in Milan, it's like the amount of like individually carved statues on that. Yeah, thing. it's insane. Like, and most of these were built like before we we talk. We're not talking about cranes and stuff here. We're not talking about like serious like, electric powered cranes. Like, yeah. it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, this one is finished. Uh, unlike the one in Barcelona, they could do with sorting themselves out and get that one done. Um, 
but yeah, I would I would thoroughly thoroughly recommend it. It's a nice food as well. Um, yeah, all in all, it's a nice a nice city. I think we, we were there for two nights, one full day, and one one like three quarter length day, and that was a good hmm. good amount of time. So Milan gets the Hotchie seal of approval. Yeah, where, where's next on the on the uh, the Hotchie hit list? Disneyland Paris. Oh, nice. That's a family yeah. trip. Yeah, that's in like two, three weeks. Three Amazing. weeks to three weeks today. Yeah, we've both got some trips to look forward to, boy, haven't we? Oh, we we oh, travel, yes. boy. We do, don't we? Um, right then, that's the end of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed that little bit of culture at the end as well. Uh, something for everyone today, Hutchie. Uh, <laughs> we've got Fleetwood, we've got the Batman, and we've got um, the culture and best pictures we've ever seen in Italy uh, or, or elsewhere. Um, so fantastic. Uh, anything else to mention, Hutchie, before we uh, take our leave? I've got nothing else to mention. <laughs> so much Super. culture. So much culture. Um, right then. Uh, reminder then, please, to support our sponsors, Manscaped. Um, it seems wrong going from the Duomo and, and the Last Supper. and the No, nice no, 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 no. Manscaped. Mate, those sculptures <laughs> are so well manscaped. They are. I, I, like, I don't yeah. know how they were doing it. I don't know if it was like the lawnmower <laughs> zero, zero point zero was around in those days. But um, statue-wise... Yeah, they're, they're pretty well groomed. They're well trimmed, aren't they, those boys? Mm. Um, so yeah, if you want, if you want to get involved and, and look like a statue, uh, use the code KOA at manscaped.com for twenty percent off and free delivery on all that excellent gear um, that they've got there. Uh, and also support us on social media, um, Kings of Anger on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And also leave us a five star review on iTunes that helps more people discover us in the charts for our heady mix of football, culture, and film reviews. Um, friends. Hopefully, you'll have a great start to the week. If you're going to the game tomorrow, I know a lot of you are. Have a great time. Hopefully, town get the result, and we'll be back to talk about it later on this week. From true crime to football, Brexit to postal. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.